Hello, it is another episode of RTFM, No Promises, because that is what you make when you start a game campaign or do campaign plotting. There is no promise you will ever meet for more than three sessions, and no promise that what you plan will matter. But it's freeing. Welcome to the Existentialist RTFM Patreon-exclusive podcast, where I talk about campaign planning. Uh, I am seven sessions in to the campaign I talked about last time, which is, I think, enough to maintain that momentum. We play almost every week. It's me and two other players. Go listen to the first episode if you want more details. Uh, but yeah, we're playing Sagas of the Icelander. This is Icelanders, plural. Um, I'm going to run through kind of what we have done so far, why I have made the choices I've made, highlight some cool realizations I have had. Uh, but I did just want to start with uh, why we kind of chose this game. I talked a lot about the game last time, but we really wanted something that was more domestic or had smaller stakes. We've been playing Apocalypse World and The Veil, and uh, we talked about something that is closer to like a mafia movie, an old mafia movie. Um, where you're as worried about your home life as you are about the kind of crimes that are going on. And we wanted to touch on kind of those maybe fictional, maybe semi-fictional um, community ties that organized crime often touts, uh, particularly like Yakuza stuff where it's like, yeah, I rob people and hurt people, but also I have an orphanage. It's a tax shelter, but it is a working orphanage, and I save the kids. Stuff like that. Um, these tensions between community and crime and what is crime, who is defining crime, uh, and what are the laws. And that's why we are playing in a fictionalized Iceland. Um, it was kind of a frontier. It was an unsettled island, and a bunch of people came, and then they had to decide, um, are we going to recreate the structures of the land we're leaving, are we going to do something new? Who gets to be in charge? What makes them the ones worth being in charge? And so that's what we are um, doing every time we play, is touching on those themes. Uh, when we got started, there was the age-old question of, are we making characters first, or do we make the world first? Because we're not playing in actual historical Iceland, because no one wants to be responsible for knowing what's right in history. And so... They didn't know what world we'd be playing in. I tried to give them some outlines or ask some questions, but I said, let's try to make characters first, and the world will react to that. Um, some of the playbooks in sagas are just like, you are the man, you are the woman, and those are both in charge of running this household. And so if they picked those, that would dictate kind of a different world, or at least shine in the spotlight on different parts of the world than some of the other playbooks. Um, they ended up picking the Huskarl, which is a servant of like a, a richer person, not necessarily in a butler way, um, kind of a mix between a, a, an honor guard and an errand person and a soldier, um, and a shield maiden, who is one of the playbooks that automatically starts transgressing the gender stuff built into the game. Um, she is a woman who goes out and fights, which is normally not what women are expected to do uh she does it just as well 
She can take moves from male playbooks, which rules. That has happened. Um, but in picking those two playbooks, uh, they have defined the story as something that is a bit more uh, aggressive. It focuses on you know, combat. The Huskarl has a move where they go raiding every summer. And they roll the dice to see what happens on that raid. And the Shield Maiden is about getting into battles, often to save people's lives instead of to hurt people. But still, her moves are not that useful outside of a fight. So even if she's not causing fights, she's looking for them. And so we immediately kind of got into not the sitting at home, running the orphanage part of this kind of domestic crime drama, but going out and doing stuff. Um, I also just want to shout out the going a Viking move. I love moves in PBTA games that a character does at the start of every session because it is a very clear ritual moment of now we are playing. You start with the roll of the dice. Often it can be hard for me at least to transition from, oh, how is everyone? What's everyone been up to? Into talking about the game. You start talking about, do we need a recap? Where was everyone? What were you doing? Instead, it's just roll these dice. Uh, and that's how we started the game. They had made their characters, and they picked relationships with each other. But since this is only a two-player game, also with a number of NPCs, which was another step toward populating the world. Uh, the Huskarl serves someone named the Wolf, who's kind of a, an up-and-coming Viking crime lord. He makes connections. He gets people what they need kind of thing. Uh, and when they went a Viking at the start of the first session... It was on his orders. They went to pick him up from the land they all came from to row him back to the island. But he's like, while you're here, let's give these people one more rogering uh, and get their stuff and bring it to their land. So automatically, I wanted to test those relationships. The Who's Carl is like a servant of this person. And he is asking everyone to kind of attack the, the land of their relatives their ancestors and i expected maybe some pushback i test these things to hopefully have characters and players like define themselves in opposition to but everyone was just like yeah let's do it and so we got into this kind of violent uh, a little sad situation and so every session is only 90 minutes or so um i love a short session i'll get into that a little later we have some questions that i will answer um but it goes back to a thing i wanted to bring up um from the website comic book resources cbr which is an awful website full of ads and poorly rewritten pr statements from movie companies these days um but when i was really into comics in like 2000 or whatever they had uh, an editorial staff that would write regular articles reviews there were comic writers there that would write about their process and how to get into the business and stuff and there's one article that i can no longer find because the website has burned anything good out of it um about the cartoonist walt simonson who had a really long run on marvel's thor and on Orion of the New Gods for DC. I love his work. And this article was about, please excuse this phrasing, how Walt Simonson could, quote, pop a cap in a plot's ass, which is a stupid line, but 
that's how people wrote on the internet back then. Um, but it was basically about how Walt Simonson worked in opposition to common comic storytelling back then, which was to introduce a vague character with a mysterious background and draw that out as long as possible, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and never kind of give any real answers and keep people coming back month to month because of that. Um, you know, there's something to that. I like some soap opera. I like some ongoing storylines, but Walt Simonson would come onto a title like Orion of the New Gods, who for 30 years had been prophecy to face his evil god dad in battle and kill him. And he just started his series that way. Like, we're going to do it now. Uh, this thing you've been hearing about for 30 years, now you get to see it. And I think that is a very respectful way to treat readers. Uh, we're going to show this thing. I'm going to try to do it justice. I'm going to do it well. And it's something I try to do in games as well. Um, I think I've talked about how I'm not great at like starting these amazing first sessions where I'm drawing the players in with sound effects and everything. But I do like to just give them story meat. Uh, if we're only going to play maybe for three sessions, who knows? If our schedules are going to make things drift apart after that. Uh, if we only get to play for an hour and a half each session, I want those sessions to have an important thing going on. Whether that's... Nothing has to be resolved, but here's a question. You said this NPC was important. Let's put the spotlight on it right away. Um, so we did that. They went to Viking. Uh, the other character had this relationship with a farmer of giant spiders. And there's a mystery there. And uh, again, the wolf was like, you should kill the spider farmer. And I was thinking they would say, well, no, let's not. Let's try to talk to him. Let's try to make a deal. They didn't. They just killed him and uh, discovered the mystery of his giant spiders and freed his partially exsanguinated wife from some spider webs. Uh, and even though I expected pushback and all this stuff, this kind of crime lord guy telling them to do some dirty work, uh, I liked the surprise of them just doing it. It shaded the world in a really interesting way, and it kind of gave them some guilt and some experience like they're like made men if we're talking about mafia they have done some dirty jobs and so the two sessions after that when the landowners of this island were convening a, a meeting to sort of decide the laws and who gets to say what about who uh they got to come as as equals to all these people because they fucking get jobs done and uh, you know, they went through that meeting. I'm, I'm not going to talk about everything that has happened because that sounds really boring. But at that meeting, someone tried to undermine the whole thing. As you know, this spy in the ranks who is a weird kind of possibly magical cursed being, possibly just a, a weirdo murderous guy. But they killed him as well with the help of this big, renowned old Viking man. And they rolled poorly on the final kind of uh, roll. They rolled a failure, six or less. And, you know, normally that would be like, it hurts you. Something hurts you. You take a grievous injury or whatever. But I was looking at my GM moves, which are very good in Sagas of the Icelanders, 
And one jumped out that I had not thought about before and that I didn't know the use of, but seemed perfect, which is on a six or less, or when the players look to you or present you a golden opportunity, the GM can change the season. Um, there's a lot of seasonal play. I've kind of talked about this. Things, Certain things only happen in the summer and the fall. And I love the idea of a hard cut after you kill this weird little goblin man. You don't have time to investigate him. You don't spend time talking about, oh, do we poke around? Do we ask this person a question? How do we deal with like the emotional come down, which can often be hard to play, I think, of uh, you know this big, momentous victory. I don't expect them to cheer and clap for real. And so this hard move was very fun to just say, it's spring now, you're back at the farm. You don't know what happened to that guy's body. Here are the stories people are telling about you because of the cool things you did there. Um, now on to the next thing. It's new season, new concerns. And it felt good. It felt like, you know, a TV cliffhanger. And it created this interesting space where maybe something happens that we weren't privy to and we can flash back to it. Uh, I love it. GM move. Jump forward in time a month. Highly recommended. Add it to any game. And the other thing I've been looking into is the free Kriegspiel Revolution, FKR, which is a method of play that relates to the Saga's game, I think, quite a bit. Uh, Reddit poster... Oh my god, I don't know how to read. U slash Ludifex. L-U-D-I-F-E-X. Have not looked into this person. But they say that the FKR is, quote, an emerging style of RPG play that takes inspiration from old-fashioned free Kriegspiel war games and pre-D&D RPG campaigns. Um, some of the characteristics this person lists are minimalistic, uh, table-centric design, increased realism, uh, has less rules to let players do more, it is a high-trust playstyle, which is the part that I really like, or I should say that I am really interested in. Um, because we have had those little moments where one of the players is maybe used to being able to make a role to learn things, learn truths about the setting, and that's not here. And so we've had to talk about, I, the GM, will just tell you truthfully what your character can see. If you need more information, find ways to find that information, and I will be honest. Um, and so I've been looking into FKR stuff to try to find ways to increase that trust. We've talked in the Discord about it, um, different ways to kind of phrase those questions and answers. So, you know, no conclusion yet. It's still ongoing. We've only played seven sessions. But the idea that if we all kind of understand the characters and the setting, we're on the same page about that stuff, most conclusions should follow logically to all of us. And it's only when we're unsure or when we have differing ideas of the possibility of a conclusion that we maybe start looking to moves to move stuff towards a unified understanding. Um, 
that's it. It's a fun game. I love this game. I think people should play it. And I'm excited to keep running it. We play almost every week. And uh, my my one of the players is a author, a published author, and is working on getting his next his draft for his next book in. And so now we only have one hour a week. And so one of the questions from the Discord is, I'd be interested in any tips on how to make a shorter game work well. Um, this has been really hard for me and an ongoing problem, question mark, that I want to deal with. Uh, I love to go to bed at 10 o'clock p.m. And so if we're starting at 7 or 8, that doesn't leave a lot of time for stuff. So my tactics are one conflict in my planning per session. Um, it might be an actual physical conflict, the way we typically think of them. It might be um, here as a revelation. How do you react to it? It might be uh, an NPC finally you know, declares or enacts a plan. Um, the last session we played was... Uh, the start of spring so it was after winter and everyone was emerging no one had seen each other for months and they were summoned to the wolf but they didn't even get there because they were summoned to the wolf by his weird little nephew who is supposed to inherit quote-unquote the family business and i was just kind of spinning that off the dome what this nephew was saying as they get to the big bad's house i hate that term I hate BBEG, these abbreviations in nerd culture. They just feel like weird gatekeepy signals. I don't know what this means. I am sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm a hater. I'm rude. Anyway, they're heading to this asshole's house. And the kid is saying, oh, I'm here. To, my, my mom sent me to learn the family business. And the session became, does this kid know what the family business is? No. Can we convince him to like publicly ask the wolf, this crime lord guy, hey dad, while everyone's here, not dad, uncle, can you tell me what you actually do? And um, when they started doing this, I thought, well, that's not good. I don't know. Is that interesting to have him say what he actually does? But they became so invested in it and wanting to see what would happen and kind of egging this kid on to saying it uh, and succeeding at, at roles to, you know, there are roles for goading people into action and questioning their honor and stuff. And so they used a bunch of that to convince this kid to ask the wolf as soon as they get there, what do you actually do? And because they rolled well, I think that means that the wolf has to do this in a public way, in a way that maybe uh, either hurts his reputation or he ends up making kind of a promise that later he will have to keep. You know, if he says the family business is I will get people whatever they want eventually he will be put in a place where he will be asked to do that and it doesn't serve his best interest for instance and then someone gets to call his honor into question and say don't you remember you said you help people get what they want like this is the time and then that engages the rules uh so i'm excited for this so that was the whole session we also got to talk about like what someone's writing go looked like um to me that is a successful session the characters are building relationships with NPCs. They're defining the world. They are getting invested in a future thing. And so tonight's session will probably just be that scene at the Wolf's 
talking about what the family business actually is, and then the wolf will ask them to do this next thing that they already have been asked to do, but he will ask formally. And then that will set up, you know, the next part. And I think that's the other thing, the other advice I would have for shorter sessions is if you're doing multiple sessions, get the planning done at the end of one session so that next session everyone just is on the same page. We are going to do this thing because that saves so much time. That's what most stuff is. And you can, you know, have someone give them a quest and then get off the call or everyone go home. And then you just send them a text that's like, hey, I think you all wanted to do this, right? Can we start next session with that? Uh, and usually they will say, oh, yeah. Or they will say, oh, I wanted to do this thing first. And then you can just text back, great, you do it. You just shopped for your new sword, it's fine. Um, but keeping the spotlights on what's fun, making sure that the fun part is the players engaging in the world and their characters in each other and not talking about shopping or if it is shopping make that fun make it a roll make it a a move um but yeah just one conflict and often they will surprise you things will go sideways the conflict will tumble out into a different direction but then you just say oh well you kind of it blew this thing up i wasn't expecting it but it's been 90 minutes and now i have a whole week to plan the next one so it's that punk thing right of like play an awesome 30 minute set and leave them wanting more instead of playing for 90 minutes and they've heard all your stuff and they've heard how much all your songs sound alike. Uh, just give them one good thing. Um, the other question is about combat and violent encounters in PBTA style games. Uh, again, from the discord, from their perspective of coming from trad or OSR games with turns and rounds, uh, how do you approach them differently in a system without that? I think it's a good question, and it's a problem a lot of people have. I don't think the answer is that special. I think the answer is you will probably feel how things should go. Uh, And there's more advice for this in Apocalypse World and a lot of other games that do have situations where timing is important uh, and who gets to go first is important. A lot of that is dealt with by not having the GM ever roll, only reacting to player rolls. So you never have to worry about when the bad guys will act. They will act either when a player rolls and the GM gets to make a move, or if you do your job as a GM and introduce, you know, the bad guy raises his axe to attack you, the axe will fall. You know, you you create these logical situations that, and this goes back to the FKR stuff, uh, you know that guy's not going to be standing there forever holding that axe up. Maybe someone gets to try something first, and then that axe will fall. And if someone is still there, they will be defying danger or trying to mitigate the situation. But often, if you say an axe is about to fall on you, uh, it'll be clear who goes next. It's the person that the axe is about to fall on. And if they roll well, they get out of the way. And then you can ask, you know, oh, you're in that room as well. You just saw this person almost get chopped by an axe. The guy's axe is in the ground. His back is to you. This seems like a logical time for you to act. Um, So, I mean, I keep calling it logic, which is like a weird word. Maybe flow, maybe rhythm is better. Um, But if you've set up dangerous situations, you can kind of ask, does it make sense that this person, you know, you've attacked this person now with his axe on the floor. He probably has it. 
out of the floor. Or you've attacked him, he's abandoned the axe and he's trying to strangle you now, um, moving in those ways. And, and, and you can say, does that make sense to everyone? Um, often I will let realism fall into a secondary position under just making sure everyone gets to go. And um, sometimes people don't know what to do. If you don't just have a set of spells or whatever, uh, and that, they just they either just try to attack or they stand back because they're not sure, which is also fine because then if someone's standing back, you can say, "Oh, are you observing the situation? Are you uh, trying to find a way in or trying to find a benefit?" And then that will usually trigger moves as well, um, really useful moves like in apocalypse world when you assess a situation. Um, you can find these levers to pull, you know, you can find something out of place. You can find something you didn't notice before. Oh, the, the bartender ran away, but there, he has a loaded gun under the bar and you can see that now. And, you know, you get plus one forward acting on that information. So you can grab that gun. Like you can help people into these combats in that way, or let them stay back and still, see things that they can then notify other players for, even if they're not sure if their character would rush in. Um, it creates what to me feels like a more realistic situation. I've never been in a fight, but I've seen, you know, just stuff goes down on public transport or whatever. Um, there are people that are always ready to dive in. They know what they want to do, whether that's join the violence or deescalate. And then there are always people that like stand back and are observing and are shocked. Um, and so letting players do that and making sure everyone gets a chance to at least say, I'm not sure what I want to do, and then giving them some options of here are some ways to engage in the drama without engaging in the action um, is good. And you can hide, you know, and in D&D that's just maybe make a stealth check, but in PBTA stuff you can say, oh, you're hiding. Are you, like, peeking out? Do you want to assess something or because you're not dealing with like movement rules and kind of strict verisimilitude if someone goes and hides maybe they're hiding next to an npc who's also hiding now and you have that as a, a fun thing you know oh you're interacting with this kid who's also hiding they ask you to do something or will you act to protect this kid even if before you weren't going to act um i don't know i've never felt too scared of not having initiative or turns once People realize they don't just have to do the same basic attacks or cast spells. They can kind of describe a whole range of actions, and some might trigger moves and some might not. I think people just get excited, and I think people are usually pretty good at sharing the spotlight. And if it ever does feel like the spotlight's on someone too long, I think it's okay to say, oh, we've been following you for a long time. Other stuff must be happening in the background. Let's look to this other player, what's been going on. Uh... This is a short one. It's here because partially Max and I overscheduled a bunch of episodes and read a bunch of stuff and didn't have time for Zine Club. But I hope it's helpful. I hope it's fun. I hope it feels like you're getting your money's worth. And it's like 100 degrees Fahrenheit here, 37 degrees Celsius. So I'm going to be done and just go drink a rum and limeade by my air conditioner. Join our Discord uh to hear more or just to hang out i don't know i'm tired i'm hot <laughs>